This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. I love this new series we're in. Uh, started last week. Who was here last week? Awesome. Let me get a good look at you guys. You guys are so good looking. What a great church. Um, we started a new series. What's it called? Honor Up. Right? There it is. And what a cool, what a cool topic. Um, most, it's a topic that's not talked about a lot, uh, which is interesting because it's so central to the Christian faith. Uh, but when you go and look online for other messages on honor, there's, there's very few of them. And so when, when your pastor called me uh, back in January, I believe, and started talking about the series for this year um, and laying that all out, uh, it was really neat uh, to, to hear that he was wanting to tackle honor. Um, honor, like, it's very central. Uh, we've got the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. I mean, that's pretty central uh, to, to the Christian faith. And so honor's right there. Uh, and so I'm, I'm super excited to be part of the series, excited to be here uh, with you all. Uh, I live in Houston, Texas. Uh, like Pastor Jason said, I have the uh, honor of serving uh, my pastors, Joel and Victoria Osteen, uh, and I head up a network of churches for them and um, work with hundreds of churches across the country. And my job is to get uh, their radio and TV audience connected to a good Bible-based church near them. Joel always says, get in a good Bible-based church. That's my job. Find good Bible-based churches, just like this one, to send people to, because my pastor knows uh, he's really good at introducing people to Jesus. Uh, However, people grow in a local church. Their faith grows in a local church. Uh, And so the local church is a huge passion for him. And so I'm uh, honored to to serve them, and I'm honored that this church is part of what we're doing there. And uh, on behalf of Joel and Victoria, thank you. Thank you for being a good Bible-based church uh, that we can send uh, people to so that they can grow in their faith and learn about honor uh, and learn about the fun things of God. Amen? Uh, if you have Bibles, um, which some of you do, if you got it on your phone, uh, we're going to, the big text will be in Luke chapter 7 if you want to head there. Um, and specifically in this series, uh, your pastor asked me to talk about honoring spiritual leaders. And I'm glad he asked me to do that instead of himself so it doesn't come across as self-serving as your spiritual leader, uh, him coming up and saying, hey, I really want you to honor me and this is how we do it. Uh, so... When he called me, I said, I'm thankful uh, that, that uh, I get to tackle uh, this topic and, and, and you get to sit there and just look pretty as a 39-year-old, almost 40. Well done, sir. Uh, last week, you uh, kicked off with a beautiful scripture, First uh, Peter 2.17. It says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, And you did a great uh, job with the Greek, uh, which is the original text. It says, everyone in the Greek translates to everyone, uh, which means everyone. Uh, You also got a fun biology lesson last week uh, from Kindergarten Cop uh, I listened to, uh, which was quite funny uh, and interesting. If you missed it, please go back and listen to it. Uh, It's quite fun. But honor, honor everyone. Uh, The Bible's pretty clear. Why do we honor? Uh, God says so. Uh, Romans 12.10. Uh, says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
outdo one another in showing honor. Now, how many know life beats you up pretty good on its own? Wouldn't it be great if the church got really good at outdoing one another in honoring each other? Uh, life has a way of kicking you and then really, really kicking you when you're down. And there's enough mean people out there that the church should be a place where we don't have that, where we honor where we build each other up, where we uh, encourage people, not just here in the church, but come on, outside of these walls as well. Amen? My father-in-law loves to, to do this when we go out to eat. Uh, so he'll, whatever, the waiter that's uh, at our table, my father-in-law gets to know him, asks him, what's your dreams? It can be embarrassing at times, uh, but he strikes up conversations, has some great ones, and uh, the waiters love to talk. Uh, because um, they love the, the engagement with, with my father-in-law, and he's great at it. Uh, and then often, at the end of the night, he'll say, let me talk to your manager, to which often they get you know, big eyes and think they did something wrong. Uh, the manager will come over, and, and my father-in-law will say, I just want you to know that that waiter you've got is really good, and you're very lucky to have him. And this restaurant is better because of that waiter. And he does really good at talking behind people's backs in a good way. And that's honor. Honor's like a seed that we sow. And the more we give it out, the more we're sowing seeds, the more it comes back to us. Galatians, where are we at? 6, 7. Pastors use this a lot for giving. Uh, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever... Uh, whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Uh, and pastors use that very often for tithing, offering, uh, sow a seed. You know, finances come back to you as well, which is very appropriate. However, it goes beyond that. Uh, and it goes into all the different areas of our life. And we should look for ways to honor each other. Look for ways to honor somebody behind their back. Look for ways to sow seeds of honor uh, out there. Because anytime we show it, we're sowing seeds. Honor that we show others will always come back to us. Don't miss, don't miss opportunities to honor. Luke chapter 7, if you want to turn there with me, it's also on this big screen, or they're all around, I love it. Luke seven thirty six says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus, him, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she didn't want to miss out. She brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, this is such a beautiful story. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering him, uh, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered him, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, one and the other 50. When they couldn't pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered. The one, I suppose, for whom the high, the, he canceled the, the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then he turned toward the woman. Uh, then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? 
I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Dishonor. But she has wet my uh, feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Honor. You gave me no kiss. Dishonor. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Honor. You did not anoint my head with oil. Dishonor. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. It's a beautiful story, a beautiful contrast between our religious leader uh, showing dishonor to the king, to Jesus, and a sinful woman. Most think she's a prostitute. Uh, Scholars believe that. But she's in there honoring him. And Jesus honors her back. Honor's like oil. And when we pour the oil of honor, you know one of oil's main functions is to lubricate, to reduce friction. And when we pour oil of honor, it's amazing how it reduces the friction in our lives. It's amazing how it begins to uh, uh, create our relationships to be better, to run more smoothly. Remember the golden rule that Jesus taught, right? Do unto others as they've done unto us. Is that right? It's wrong. (laughs) Well, Doug, I'll honor him when he starts honoring me. No, why don't you be the one to start honoring? Remember, you can't so honor and not have honor come back to you. I have an amazing wife, just so you know. We've been married almost 21 years, and she is fantastic. How many married people we got in here? Okay, a few. All right. Now, my wife, she's great. She runs her own business. She runs our house. She's an amazing cook. Uh, We have three beautiful kids, and she takes care of so much. Now, I'm not at the end of the night, though, most of the times. She's pretty done. And I can see when she's getting short and she's running out. And I can sit there and just watch. (laughs) Or I could step in. And I choose to step in often and say, hey, honey, let me take this. Let me honor you. Why don't you go take a bath? Why don't you relax? I'll clean up the dishes. I'll put the kids to bed. I got all this. You've had a long day. I've had a long day too. But I want to step in and I want to honor my wife. And when I pour that honor out, when I put that oil of honor into our marriage, it's amazing the friction that disappears. Because my wife's able to step back and she's able to breathe and she's able to feel the support. Because honor's like a seed. When you give it out, it comes back to you. Sometimes not quickly. Sometimes it takes time. But God's laws are God's laws. If you sow it, you're going to reap it. When you put it out there, it comes back to you. Amen? We all have an honor supply to give away. It doesn't do us any good to hold on to it. It's not for us. Look for ways to give it away. Now, specifically, I want to talk about honoring spiritual leaders. And I'm not going to tell you to go and take Pastor Jason's truck and, you know, fill it up with gas for him every week, which would be cool, uh, or to go over there and, you know, somebody go clean his house and serve him as the pastor. I, I don't, those are all great things. Next week is his birthday. Be fun to get him a bunch of presents and stuff. But that's not what I'm going to talk about tonight. I, uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 12 through 13 says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholeheartedly 
uh, and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. First Timothy 5.17 says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So how do we show honor to our spiritual leaders? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, and, and I get this, so I, I work with a lot of pastors, and I get to hear um, different things that they, that they uh, need and, and need in their church. And I promise you, your pastor didn't give me a list and say, hey, here's the things I need in my church. Uh, go, and, go and tell these people what's up. Uh, that's, not, that's not what I'm doing. Um, so this is a list. I'm going to put down three things here for you if you're taking notes. And these three things are ways that you can show honor to your spiritual leaders. Number one is to be in unity. Be in unity. As a church, the church is so much more powerful when it's unified. We find great ways to divide ourselves, don't we? We got all kinds of ways to be divided. Hebrews 13, 17 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. I want to focus on have confidence uh, in your leaders because here's the reality. At the end of your life, you're accountable for your life to God. But your pastor, he's not accountable just for his life. He has to give an account for each of us in here. He has to give an account for the way he shepherded the people that God brought him. That's a heavy burden. And I know it's one that your pastor takes incredibly serious. Uh, and he, he prays for you. He believes for you. He gets to know you. He wants to help in every, every way possible. Why? Not just because he likes you, which he does, but because he has to give an account to God. And as a church, one of the things I hear most from pastors is, I just wish my church was unified. People find all kinds of ways to fight. I mean, they walk in like, hey, why is she sitting in my seat? Christians are territorial, am I right? I mean, you sit in the same seat every week, probably. And when somebody comes in and they're sitting in your seat, you're like, hey, pastor, tell them they're in my seat. Come on, he's got better things to do than that. Or you got groups of people that want to divide. We should be praying more. Or we should be worshiping more. Or why are the lights so bright? Or why is it not dark? Right? We got all these different groups. Why aren't we going downtown? We should go outside of the walls. We should do more inside. And pastors get stuck in this world where they're like, oh my gosh, how do I navigate this? My church feels so divided. If only we were unified, we could be heading in a different direction. You need to have confidence. We need to have confidence in our pastors. Have confidence that he can hear from Jesus because his job's not to make everybody in this room happy. His job, Candace's job, their job is to hear from heaven, to hear from Jesus, to do what he says, and to get all of us on board doing the same thing that Jesus said to do. He doesn't get to pick it. He has to hear from heaven. And he has to get on board with that. And then he says, come on, follow me. And so many times churches struggle because they're like, I don't know, pastor, I don't think I like that one. And pastors are sitting there saying, wait, wait a second. When did the kingdom become a democracy? When do we start voting on what we're supposed to be doing? I'll be honest, I have a great pastor, but my pastor, sometimes I disagree with him. 
Sometimes I'm like, I don't know, man. But you know what I've learned? I know my pastor came here from heaven. And I know that it supports my pastor when I line up with what he thinks he heard from heaven so that I can follow with him and we go places together. And I've seen God open up tremendous doors with the unity that happens inside of a church. The last thing pastors need to be doing is wrestling with people over what the church should be doing. The best thing you can do to honor your pastor, one of the best things you can do is to line up and say, yeah, pastor, let's do this. Yeah, I get on board with that. And if you disagree with it, pray about it. Because if your pastor can hear from heaven, Jesus will tell him. Amen? And I'll say this. If you don't trust that your pastors can hear Jesus, this may not be the church for you. Find somebody that you believe can trust, that you trust can hear from heaven, and follow them. But don't go into a church with an agenda. The agenda is, what can I do to serve? What can I do to be unified? What can I do to be uh, your, your greatest supporter? See, when the church is unified, it's like pouring on, pouring on the oil of honor. And the friction goes away, and everything starts to move in that direction. And it starts to begin to build momentum. And we all get on board, and we all go. Amen? Amen. Psalm 133, 1 through 3 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Say unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard, uh, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. In unity, the blessing is commanded. But when we're split, when we're divided, the blessing doesn't show. One of the greatest things you can do to honor your spiritual leaders is to line up and to get unified. Amen? Now, again, this isn't, he didn't give me a list to come tell you this church may be incredibly unified. I'm just telling you, wherever you are, whatever church you go to, uh, wherever, whoever your pastor ever, ever is, whoever your spiritual leaders are, be unified. Amen? Number two. Bring the right posture. When you come to church, bring the right posture with you. Posture attracts presence. When we come together, the posture we bring attracts the presence of God. We want to see miracles, amen? We got to come expecting. We got to come ready and wanting. And, and when we walk through these doors, we're walking through saying something's going to happen tonight. May have been a tough week. I may be exhausted. But something's going to happen tonight. Amen? Mark 6 says, Jesus, he went away from there, and he came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works being done by his hands? Is this... Is, is not this the carpenter's son, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his household. And he could not do he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people 
and he healed them. Posture attracts presence. Now, what you don't see if you back up a couple of verses and see where he came from, he literally had just left where he raised a little girl from the dead because the posture was different. Same Jesus. Jesus was the same where he was, and the same Jesus was in, in his hometown. But the hometown, there was no miracles. Why? Because there was, the posture was wrong. They dishonored him. See, honor uh, brings the presence of God. Is God here? Yes. But miracles happen when we come with expectation, when we come expecting, when we come, uh, when we come uh, with the right posture. And we see God do amazing things. What does that mean? That means come on time, which your church is really good, actually. I was excited. I was like, man, these people come on time. I go to some churches, man, they're like 15 minutes late. I don't want to come for the worship. And it's like, man, come on. What, what's wrong with you? Your pastor asked you to be here. Let's be here. Uh, be on time. Uh, come with an expectation. Come uh, as often as you can. Come and be together. Come and, 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 and make sure you're not missed, unless you have to. Some of us have to. I get it. But if you can, be here. The average Christian goes to church like 1.6 times a month, uh, which is weird, but that's the averages. Uh, but it's, come on, we should be there as often as we can. Why? Because when you miss, you're missed. See, when we get together, God does something incredible. It's different than when we're, to, when we're not together. That's why I hated when the church got shut down uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and it got shut down, and the church sat there and says, oh, my gosh, what do we do? And the church was attacked. And you saw it. I saw it. And the church was uh, separated. And the problem with that is this is how we get to grow together. This is how we get to encourage one another. This is how we uh, bring the presence of God in a, in a miraculous way together. Can God move outside of this? Yes, he can. But these are the environments where God's presence shows off in a huge way. Why? Because we come together. We come with expectation. We combine our faith together. And we come knowing that when we're together, God's going to do something big. And we're not going to leave here the same way that we came in. We're going to leave here different. Why? Because we expected it. Because we came to see Jesus that can raise from the dead, not the carpenter's son. Amen? We came, we wanted something from heaven. And God saw that. And we came together and we did it. So when you miss, you're missed. Because there's somebody in this room that needs your faith. And there's somebody in this room whose faith you need. Because we, we, life can beat you up. Am I wrong? It can be rough. My wife and I had a really hard time having kids. We kept miscarrying and miscarrying and miscarrying. And the challenge for us was after you do that a few times, it begins to feel impossible. And I know what miracles look like. I've experienced them. I've seen them. But then in these moments when it happens again and again and again, where I feel like I'm getting beat up, it's never going to happen. I need somebody else's faith in those moments. I need to be in an environment where I need somebody to say, let me lift up your arms. Because this is what the church does. We get together and we encourage and we lift up and we stand in the gap for one another. Because somebody in here had a really bad week. But somebody in here didn't. And somebody that had a bad week needs to get around the person that didn't and say, come on, lift me up. Encourage me. Pray for me. Help me. When we do prayer up here at the front, come on up and say, hey, I just need somebody to stand in the gap for me. I don't have the faith, but I know you do. Help me with it. Amen?
We need to be together. Don't ever let anybody separate you from the church. Never again. Be here. Because when you're not here, you're missed. And the more that you miss, the less you're missed. Because you've removed yourself from the body. Don't do that. You need each other. We need each other. We need to be together. And we need to be together more often than not. Because when we come together and we come with expectation, the presence of God changes things. And one moment can change your life. And I did. I had a great man of God stand in the gap for us and pray for us when I didn't have any faith. And now I got beautiful kids. And I'm so thankful that somebody else could pray for me. But that's not going to happen if I'm not going to engage. That's not going to happen if I, if I don't come together. And now you know what? When somebody else has uh, a lack of faith for something, I know I can pray for that. Especially if you're not having kids, you're miscarrying, you can't get pregnant, you come talk to this guy because I know how to pray for that. I've seen it happen. But that's because somebody else stood in the gap for me. We need each other, amen? So come expecting. And when you're here, be fully present. Engage. I know we got our phones and we're looking at the, the, you know, the Bible on the phones, but then it's so easy to slip over to Instagram and start looking through there. I do it too. Come on. I'm being honest with you, but that's when I disengage. See, be fully engaged. Be here. You're only here for an hour, hour and a half, uh, a week. Come on. All that stuff can wait. This is life-changing moments. This is where things happen. How can you honor your pastor? You come with an expectation. You come believing. You come knowing that this isn't just a, a, a thing that we check off on our checklist every week. I, I got to check off church so that I feel good or that I, you know, it's like we treat it like a gym, right? We, we live like hell all week long and then we try to come and work off the weight uh, on, the, on the weekend. <laughs> Come expecting and build this place up. Because see all these empty chairs? You're not supposed to point those out when you're a pastor. But I want you to see them because those have somebody's name on them. And those have somebody's name that we need to be believing for. And you need to keep your seat, Christian that sits in that seat. <laughs> you need to find somebody else to go in these other seats. Come expecting. Be fully present. And I'm going to wrap this up. Number three is fully engage. This is your church. This isn't Jason's church, Candace's church. This is our church. This is your church. If you see something that uh, needs to be done, do it. Don't wait for somebody else to come along and do it. You fix it. You take care of it. You step in. Do something about it. Support the mission here with your time, with your talent, with your treasure. Get on board with it. Why? Because it's your church. It's our church. The church is the people. It's not the building. It's not Jason and Candace's church. No, this is our church. They're the spiritual leaders here because God designed it that way. But this is our church. The mission here 
is to equip and empower people to become courageous followers of Jesus. That's our mission. That's your mission. And we need you to bring people, to invite people. It's not just your pastor's job to invite and bring people, even though he does a great job at that. Well done, sir. But you bring them too. Why? Because this is your church. This is our church. We know people that need to be here. Get them here. Invite them. And when they get sick of being invited, invite them again. Keep bringing them. Why? Because lives change here. Because this isn't just something we do. This is eternity. This is important. This is valuable. This is your church. Protect the culture of honor in this place. I love that it's a young church because we're still building it. And we're still developing the culture around here. But there should be a strong culture of honor in this place. And we need to protect that. We don't put up with gossip here. Somebody talks bad about the pastor. We say, oh, no, 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 we don't, we, we don't do that here. My church is very thick with culture. Uh, Lakewood Church in Houston. We don't do that. Uh, because it's just, uh, my, my church is 62 years old. Um, it's been established. And when people start gossiping or uh, talking bad, it's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. And we, we, we just don't do that here. We're going to protect the culture of this place. Your pastor needs you to have his back. We don't need little groups that have an agenda. No, no, no. We need to squish that stuff. We need to protect the culture and say, no, we're here to follow Jesus. We're here to equip and empower people to follow Jesus courageously. Protect that, church. Protect that. Because the enemy is going to send people in to try to split it up. Why? Because he hates losing. And every time the church grows, the enemy's losing. If the church is gaining, the enemy's losing. He's not just going to sit there and take it. No, he's going to fight. He's going to try to split the church up. We protect that. He is going to lose. You're darn right. Because we got good people like you in here that say, no, we, we, we don't do that here. We don't do, you go do that over there. We don't do that here. This church is, is, is a sacred place. And finally, as I close, I want to ask you to pray for your pastors. How can you honor them? You pray for them. You surround them with prayer. That's a lot better than filling up his gas tank, I'll tell you that much. Pray for him. Because if their marriage fails, this church scatters. Pray that God surrounds them with the right people. Pray that God meets the needs of, of them. I'll tell you what, I, I, I work I, and I've been around the church, uh, man, I've been doing this 23 years full time. Pastoring is a very lonely, lonely job. And it's a very hard one because people misunderstand it and they think he works one day a week and somebody hands him a, you know, a little script and he comes up here and he talks. Pastoring's hard. Why? Because the enemy wants to get to you and they're going to go through him. The enemy doesn't like church. The enemy doesn't like the believers coming together. And so the enemy is going to attack. What pastors need is a good group of church people around them praying for them, not asking anything from them. Pastor, how can I pray for you? Pastor, I want to lift you up. 
I'm going to pray protection around you. I'm going to pray health over you. I'm going to pray that God sends you the resources that you need because somebody's got to pay for these lights in this building. Somebody's got to have the doors opened up so we can have these empty seats filled up with people. God, bring the right people around Pastor Jason. Bring the right people around Pastor Candace and lift them up. Why? Because that's the way the kingdom works. And we will do it right now. Of course we will. Be silly if I didn't. <laughs> You're welcome, Pastor Jason. Proud of you. You've, uh, you've done great. This is a hard area to do, to do evangelical church. Am I wrong? This is tough. This, the, the Salt Lake City, it's, it's, it's spiritual. <laughs> but it needs Jesus. And we need pastors that are willing to take a step of faith and be willing to be kicked in the teeth over and over and over again, but are surrounded by people who say, I got your back, pastor. I'm proud of you for stepping up, stepping out. That's huge. And uh, you got good people here. I can feel it. So let's pray for our pastor. Father, we thank you so much. Actually, is Pastor Candace? She's probably back there with the kids, huh? All right, well, then we'll just stand in proxy for her, too. But we thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Jason, Pastor Candace. We thank you that they've answered the call uh, that you've placed on their life. And we thank you that uh, they, they take this incredibly serious and that they've sacrificed so much uh, to do this, uh, God, but they'd have it no other way. Um, and I thank you that... Uh, you've anointed him for this season uh, and for this valley and for these people. And I thank you, God, that uh, you're protecting them. Put a hedge of protection around their family, around their marriage, uh, God, so that the enemy can't get in. Uh, God, put uh, a hedge of protection around their children uh, so that the enemy uh, can't touch them. Father, we thank you uh, that your blessing and that your favor is upon their life. God, surround uh, Pastor Jason and Pastor Candace with people that uh, speak words of life and encouragement to them, that aren't constantly just asking for things from them, but wanting to, to, to encourage and minister to their soul, uh, that want to let them know that this is something that they're not doing alone, God, but they're doing with the team. They're doing with the church. They're doing with uh, the body of Christ. And so, God, I thank you uh, that you are continuing to bless them. Grow this church, God. This valley needs to be broken through, and we need to see your name exalted and your church uh, equipped and empowered, God, and, and that we see courageous followers step out. But God, this is the man and the woman of God that you've placed over this house. And so, Lord, we speak blessing and favor and anointing over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a great church, bro. I love you, church. I want you to know I pray for you often. Your pastor and I talk multiple times a week um, and bounce ideas off each other and, and pray for each other. And uh, it's, it's one of the greatest joys in, of my life uh, to be part of what God is doing here. This is my favorite church uh, to come to. 
And yeah, and believe me, I get to see a lot, but I, I, this one has a real special place in my heart. And uh, I'm so, so thankful uh, that you all welcome me the way you do. And I'm thankful that you cover um, my best friend and his wife. And uh, it's so great to see that God's doing some great things here. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at courageouschurch.com.